Welcome to the Hartwell Studio Works Sports Branding Podcast. I'm John Hartwell. I am the brains and pencil behind Hartwell Studio Works. I'm a sports brand designer in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is for front office personnel who want to harness the power of sports branding to win more fans. This episode is the audio presentation of the small college AD Zoom conversation I conducted with Karen Whalen, the Director of Athletic Engagement and Fundraising at Wesleyan University. Karen gave a presentation entitled Fundraising Through Uncertainty, Engaging a Sports Fan Donor Base, and she took questions about small college athletics fundraising in this time of difficulty. The purpose of these Zoom conversations is to share ideas that are practical, relevant, and actionable in helping small college ADs navigate through the shifting landscape of the pandemic lockdown of 2020. I hope you find this conversation helpful. Enjoy the show. Yes, it's it's a crazy time right now for fundraisers. Uh, not only is the coronavirus scary, uh, we have issues with our economy, and there's continued political turmoil. And any one of these three issues, you know, could be a disaster in and of itself for your fundraising. And here we are experiencing all three at once. So uh, it begs a lot of questions. You know, what are we doing as fundraisers? So um, digital engagement at this time has become more important than ever uh, by de developing and implementing a comprehensive digital strategy, you can reach out to more alumni with the same budget and engage them in more relevant ways. Um, so John, if you advance to slide two. Um, engagement precedes donation. That's like the basis 101 version that we're taught in fundraising. In order to ask someone for, for a gift, you wanna engage them first. And the donor engagement cycle includes that engagement, then the ask, a thank you, and then you repeat the process. So we're just gonna expand on some of those, uh, go through some of those ways to enhance that during this time of uncertainty. And for anyone who's um, questioning about whether our donor fan bases are um, interested in engaging at this time, John, if you'll advance to slide three, um, according to a Deloitte article in 2020, from an article called Say Goodbye to the Offseason, more than 60% of fans say that having a great year-round experience would make them more likely to be engaged with their team in the coming season. And now with our forced break in play, uh, this has not dimmed. And the passion for fans, it's even greater. Um, and with this period of facing questions, um, until live events resume, these fans are looking for somewhere to turn to congregate. And so we take an example, slide four, of ESPN putting on the last dance. Um, they moved because of um, engagement demands, ESPN moved up the airing of this program by two months and to, and to fill that void left by sports. And the premier night of this program Average 6.1 million viewers, which in some cases has had out viewership even the, the Super Bowl. So once this postponement is over, people are even likely to be more engaged from some of the steps that you're you're doing now during this time. And some of these sporting events 
will bring bring huge new new numbers of fans because of what you're doing online now. So that's where the we they are still craving that engagement. So if we advance to slide five, we'll talk about some of the ways that you can use digital content to develop some of those meaningful connections. Uh, and again, so most people might think that your donors are going to get annoyed from hearing from you frequently, but retention um, and repetition is part of what makes marketing in general successful. And for those of you who have coached before, like recruiting student athletes, one message sent randomly is easy to ignore, but if you follow up with those emails and continue to give the student athlete content and selling your program, you're more likely to maybe yield a visit or um, yield an application or better yet, yield that top recruit that you're looking for. It's the same, the same with fundraising. So at Wesleyan, what we've tried to do is we've, um, you know, we try, we, we're looking at this time as a challenge to virtually engage, um, to use our, uh, what we have available to us in our toolbox to stand out from others, especially within our institution, because here at our school, and just to give you a little bit of history, uh, for fundraising, um, even though my position reports to the advancement office, athletic fundraising is substantially separate from advancement and the athletic department and the athletic director and the coaches are responsible for um, their own fundraising to bridge the gap between the um, operation budgets that the institution gives them and their operating costs. Approximately one third of their operating costs are, from the are, are um, budgeted from the university. Another third they bring in from generating income um, through facility rentals and camps, which are obviously impacted right now. We have not been able, since the pandemic shutdown, we have not been able to operate a camp. And it's still a, a question whether we'll be able to um, start generating income this fall. So we've lost the enti entire summer to generate income, which is our peak season. So um, we, because people are spending more and more time in home and online, this channel provides a great way to engage fans. Uh, so John, if you can advance to the next slide. So because of current events, we look beyond the traditional mediums to tell our Wesleyan athletic story, uh, trying to show the real power of sport and being able to, to deliver value not, and happiness and not just entertainment. That's especially what's needed most during this time. So like some discussions in some previous um, Hartwell podcasts that we've had talking about the value of athletics as an investment in the residential experience of the student athlete and as a tool to amplify the education already happening on campus and in the classroom. That's what we need to try and pivot to now. And that's what we're trying to do at Westland to show that value um, in our communications so that when folks are asked either by advancement or by our athletic staff to make a gift, they will make that connection see the value and say, yes, this is worthy of my investment. So um, with our, particularly I'm showing our, what we did with our football program. Every June they have a campaign called the All In Challenge. And that, challenge, that is a challenge by the coach. Um, he solicits his alumni to um, 
make gifts which he will match with a gift. And in the language of the email, um, we, we wanted to bring, highlight more of this value that Wesleyan football provides to the community and not just the needs of the program um, in and of itself. So we made the needs secondary, secondary and we added that to the bottom of the email. Um, and I will share this email uh, text in the resources that John will provide after after the presentation, so you can see it a little bit more closely. Uh, John, the next slide. So determining what content you wanna share will help inform what medium you're gonna use, whether it's social, Zoom, email, um, that best would help drive your audience engagement. Um, other institutional areas are looking to pivot and take advantage of this shift as well. So standing out is key for you. You gotta find out and think to yourself, what makes your program different. Um, athletics is inherently different than in classroom or some of the other institutional priorities for fundraising. So use those resources that you have and what you know works best with your audience. So for us at, in, at Wesleyan, being the small division three um, college program that we are and in a league, the New England, college, uh, New England Small College Athletic Conference, which even has more restrictive rules than Division Three, um, we had to look at where we, our situation, to see what we could leverage digitally to take advantage of this craving for content. So we're using Zoom events. Uh, we have coaches who are, like many schools, are putting up you know, throwback um, contests. And but with a little twist is that we're not just playing the content contests, but we are having coaches provide feedback and insight into what they were thinking, why they called this play, maybe sort of like a, a huddle clip from some of the technology that they use in their uh, classrooms to teach their student athletes. We're using that to have these intimate conversations with alumni and fans on what the coach was thinking during that period of time. Uh, similarly, like this presentation, we're gonna use interviews and podcasts with um, high profile alumni, especially those uh, that have a connection to sport. Some of our high profile student athletes and high profile coaches to, um, and promote them so that um, people can view and we can generate some viewership. And then that viewership would help with some of the other ways that we're engaging with folks. Um, so um, another angle for us, especially with the parent group, is the post-life after Wesleyan. And that's just as true with student athletes. So we've been leveraging um, our alumni network for career advice, um, having panels. Not only does it engage the alumni in participating on these things, but it also engages the current students, provides value in what we're doing for them as a student athlete at our institution, but it's also showing those parents, those parents who are also donating to our programs, the value of being a student athlete because they have these, these um, opportunities that are not necessarily available to the regular student body. So when it comes to events, moving to a digital mindset doesn't always have to um, be comfortable. I'm not the most comfortable doing this presentation right now. I don't do them all the time, but um, it, it does, it, it is helpful and it's worth the effort. 
So when circumstances demand the need, it's a, a good ex excuse to give it a try. And that's what's worthy now. I mean, you can always experiment. If it doesn't work out, no one's been harmed. But the benefit of it being successful far outweighs the, um, the uncomfortableness of, of putting one on. Uh, so if we can advance to slide eight, John, and we'll talk about some of the stewardship and donor relations. In some instances, um, stewardship and donor relations are just as valuable, if not in some cases more valuable than being a gift officer. Um, in the industry standard says that if you need to thank someone eight times before you ask them for another gift. And stewardship and donor relations are a perfect way to be able to do that. It's not just a gift comes in and they get a, um, your donor gets a acknowledgement from the advancement office. Their gift was to you and your program. So let's leverage that connection um, of, of you and having a personal connection to that donor um, to also help with donor relations. And at what we em employ at Westland is we get a weekly list of all of the gifts made to any one of our priorities in athletics. And that list includes the email address and a snail mail address for that donor and what they gave to. Um, we uh, send, we dissect those lists and we send them to each head coach for their giving. And then they in turn send a thank you note um, that's produced within the athletics department, but the coach writes a personal uh, thank you or makes a personal note at the bottom of the letter and it gets mailed off. It saves the coach from having to do that in-house, um, but it, it still has personalization of their few lines scribbled at the bottom. Um, certain $500 and above, the person also gets a le acknowledged letter from the athletic department. But during these uncertain times, one of the things we've added to our process is in my role, I've added sending them an email uh, with language, thanking them for their gift during these uncertain times and how humbled we are that they decided to invest in us when they have so many other possible things going on in their lives. And I will add that as a resource uh, for John to send out. It's just an added way of stewarding our donors who are already engaged with us and keeping them um, engaged with us to make uh, gifts again. So um, Roger Craver, as I mentioned in this, show you in this uh, slide, he wrote a book called Retention Fundraising. And these st statistics, and we're all statistics people in athletics, are very interesting that the average nonprofit has uh, 60 to 70% chance of obtaining additional contributions from existing donors. So then of course I make the segue to Moneyballers and who hasn't seen that movie, that we go with the data, what the data tells us. So it's cheaper in the long run to put some efforts into existing donors and to get them to be repeat donors than it is necessary um, to spend the effort to acquire new donors because it takes more time. It might seem easier to acquire new donors than it is to steward existing donors, but the, the effort is clearly in the data that shows it's worth that effort. John, if we can advance to, to slide nine. So um, 
these are some of those acknowledgements that I um, that I was talking about. Um, you know, these simple efforts in increasing your donor relations will create uh, a more meaningful prospect and donor relationship. And that's what advancement and donor relations is all about. It's about relationships. You know this already with recruiting. You make that relationship with a prospective student athlete. If it's, if, if you, if it's a deeper relationship, you have a, a better chance of yielding that student athlete. The same with donors. The deeper relationship you have with a donor, the, the easier the conversation is, uh, the more you can talk to them specifically about what your concerns are. And especially now in these uncertain times, um, we are most like most of us at here at Wesleyan, we know going, we've had a 10% reduction in our operating budget already this year. We had to give back 10%. We know next year that we are going to lose another 10% of our operating budget and also be hamstrung by our inability to generate income. So this is no mystery. And folks know that the, these things are happening across higher ed. So it's okay to have those conversations with donors that you have a good relationship with. That's not something you would necessarily send in a broadcast email to your entire alumni uh, body, but it's something that you would discuss one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with some of your existing donors. So some of the other ways that you can also um, leverage donor relations with donors is uh, a first-time donor campaign. So what we do here at Westlands, I have these little postcards, and every time a person makes a, a gift for the first time, and I get this information from our advancement office, we ship out a little postcard that says, you know, thank you for taking the first step in um, becoming part of the Wesleyan Athletics donor family. Um, and it has a little kitschy photo of someone running stadium stairs, hence the step. Um, but it's effective. I get comments back from folks about these postcards. It takes minimal effort. It's 23 cents, I think, to send the postcard. So these are just little things that you can do to augment what advancement is doing or what you're already doing to take it to the next step. Um, consecutor donor loyalty initiatives is, is another way. You have donors already that you can um, engage with now that have been consecutive donors and thank them for their loyalty. Um, that's another touch. Um, another area that we're exploring for the first time this year is corporate matching gifts. I had a, a, um, a Zoom conference call with our department this morning. We talked about our June plans for fundraising. And one of the areas that we're gonna emphasize for people who have already made a gift to Wesleyan Athletics is the opportunity to match their already donation with uh, an employer-sponsored match gift. And again, it's not asking them to dig into their pocket, it's asking them to take some time that they might already have for being home and initiate that process with their company to see if we're eligible. So those are things, some of the things that you can do now using digital engagement to further connect with your audience. Impact reports are another one. Uh, it's nice for a donor to hear from the area from which they are supporting how the impact of their gift has made a difference in their program. 
we have a unique ability in athletics to demonstrate our impact a lot easier than an annual fund office where it kind of goes into a black hole. You can send from the basketball coach an email saying, this is how, this is what your gifts supported this year. It's very simple to do and it lets the donor know how their money is being used. That's impactful. Um, we here at Wesleyan, we do a thank you calling program with our student athletes. Every fall, particularly during preseason when, the, when before school starts, um, I have a handful of student athletes come in for, from each team and they call donors who made gifts to the program last year. There's no reason why you can't do that already this year now with the, with the donors. You don't have to wait until next season starts. You can do that now. Again, it keeps them in the mindset of, of, um, of athletics during a time in June when they are going to get solicited by your school. We're also considering using a new software program that will help us send thank you videos. There's several out there on the market. We're particularly, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not necessarily going to mention the one that we're using, um, but we are going to try to use that in another way to digitally engage with our constituents. Video's king, we know that already. Um, and this is just another way to build that. And I'm hoping eventually that the investment in that for fundraising can also help recruiting for you ADs out there that are looking to get some bang for your buck. Um, I think um, coaches could also use these thank you platforms, video platforms for their recruiting as well. So um, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn if, if you want more information on what we're doing there. Um, but there's also, um, you know, using another voice besides advancement, and that's the coach, the athletic director, someone in my position. I'm the only one in this role at Wesleyan, so I don't have a staff like some of the big D1 schools or, or some of the D2 schools. So we're looking to leverage what we have now um, on the cheap to get the most out of what we can possibly do. And Zoom is an enterprise product on our campus. And so we're trying to use it to our best advantage. So in conclusion, uh, John, the next, the next slide, um, simply because the economy appears to be in free fall, you don't wanna make assumptions what your donors will and will not do during this time or what they can or cannot give. You need to ask for what you need, but you need to ask in a way that takes into consideration what the donor might be going through at this time. Um, your needs have increased and so have theirs. Uh, but you can let your donors know that they can, they'll understand. Uh, don't be shy, don't hold, I would not hold back, especially for the folks that you have, do have good relationships with. Um, some will retreat, but others will step up. Um, some are gonna pull back, but, but um, there will be others that surprise you and step up. So the, the, the results at the end of the day will depend on your outreach and your leadership. So again, with my little slide there, do your best and you know, stay the course and, and keep calm. I think that's one of the best, best pieces of advice I can, I can give you right now. But um, that and, and, and if, you, if you feel awkward, having these conversations one-on-one. -on -one. I, I really would try first with some of the donors that you're most familiar with, uh, maybe your top donors, 
because you know that they are invested in the health and well-being of your program and let them know um, wh what's going on with your program, but do it in a way that, that um, understands what they might be going through too. So um, that's kind of, that's kind of what we're doing here. And I hope what I, some of the ideas that I gave you today were, are, are ones that you'll be able to, to take back with you and um, be successful with. So, so thank you. All right, thank you so much, Karen, for that presentation. I'm gonna go ahead and stop the screen share uh, at this time. And uh, this is where we will now go into questions and answers. Uh, this, as I mentioned, this is very much intended to be an interactive event, and I do very much want to encourage participation. Uh, if you would, if you'd like to ask a question, do please use the raise hand function in the participant box, and I'll call on you. Or if you'd like, you can send your question to me directly through chat, all of the all of the all of the chat uh, chat messages do come straight to me, and I'll read that out uh, for Karen. I do have one uh, one raised hand here, uh, John Olson. John, if you'll go ahead and uh, ask your question, thank you. Hi, thanks, Karen. I appreciate uh, your time and some insight. Uh, I'm John Olson with Northern State University, Aberdeen, South Dakota. Um, just something briefly. I've been trying to get. Uh, folks back on campus and do these career panels now with um, I wanted to talk about you I wanted you to talk a little bit more about your the career panels you're having to engage alumni and how I guess how do we how do we get as many student athletes in on those as possible because I've used these things in the past as as uh, a way to engage alumni and they're they're pretty impactful I'm just wondering about how you, how yours have been and, and if you could expand just a little bit more on them, please. Sure. Great question. Um, what we've ended up doing is we've uh, separated our, we have a young alumni career program and then we have a, I don't want to call it old, but, you know, outside of 15 years, 15 years and greater program. What we've found is that student, current student athletes relate better to younger alumni who have recently gone through what they're going through than potentially the, the alum that's 25, 30 years out who might be very well-known and distinguished in their career, but they are not um, experiencing the same experiences of our current student athletes. Um, we, I've also found that the younger alumni um, some need somewhat more, it's, an, it's a better way to engage with them as well. So um, what we've done is we have an athletics advisory council uh, made up of approximately 20 alumni that um, help advise um, the athletic director and I'm part of that group. <clears throat> and we've structured that group into um, four major working groups. So <clears throat> we have smaller teams of um, fundraisers, and um, we have one specifically for career and alumni um, advice development for student athletes. And having an alum, in this case, it's uh, I have a, an alum and an alumna, and they um, do some reach, some outreach on behalf of um, of the department. So it's peer to peer from the alumni perspective, and we have. Um, a group for the young alumni and we have a group for general 
And when the young alumni group and the career group came together to do a young alumni panel, um, it was one of our most in, um, impactful panels ever. Uh, the student athletes, our attendance there really shot up. And, and I do believe it has to do with, um, because of our post-event surveys, we found that the kids just relate so much better to young alumni. And again, in a format like Zoom, you, you can do that as well. And some of our coaches now during this period have been utilizing Zoom to do similar things. They, you know, they're using it as an engagement tool to ask for a, a few alumni to come back and present to a panel of the, um, participate on a panel to student athletes on the team. And what makes that even more special is that it's limited to that team and the experiences of those alumni on that team are with those same students. So it even drills down a little bit deeper. Um, so we've done them on the general athletics level and we've done them by team. The team ones are much more impactful uh, just because of their specificity. Um, but it, it, it takes, I would think it would, it would take, if you can enlist the help of one alum to help make asks for others to appear on the panel, I think that's, that's your best bet. Thank you very much. All right, and again, <clears throat> if you have a question, do please use the raise hand uh, function in the uh, participant box or send your question uh, to me directly uh, in chat. Uh, Karen, I've got actually, a, 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 I wanna pick up on a thread that you talked about in your presentation. I think, uh, in in each of the of the different ideas and in the different ways to engage, I think one of the things that came through is the idea of talking about the value of the athletics program uh, as as something that is separate from the immediate need. And I think when when I hear the idea of of, of describing the value and communicating the value, in a sense, what you're getting to is you're talking about what is unique about the program and how do you tell that tell your program story, I think might be kind of to use some marketing language. How do you tell the story of the, of the program? How have you guys at Wesleyan uh, defined what makes Cardinals athletics unique and uh, how have you gone about uh, identifying what are those unique aspects that demonstrate the value and tell that story? Sure, John. Um well, for those of you out there that have not listened to Allison's podcast, uh, when she spoke about the value of athletics today, I would recommend listening to that because that gave some great insights from an athletic director's perspective. Um, but at Wesleyan, um, we really value the, we call ourselves, we're not just teams and we're not just sports, we're programs. And, and program is family. And it's, it's developing more than just the on the court, on the, in the arena, on the field, on the pitch. It's, it's more than just the contest. It goes beyond the box score, so to speak. And so our coaches do an excellent job of um, delivering that message to their student athletes that they're recruiting and what the expectations are in their program which gets to their parents as well. So that's one audience. But for our alumni, uh, it's also, they like to win, who doesn't like to win? But we are trying to show more of the student athlete experience at Wesleyan 
than just what they do on the field. Um, we've, we had a record number of student athletes um, earn Phi Beta Kappa this year. We have um, student athletes right now who um, have initiated um, a challenge called Athletes Take Action, which is um, helping folks during uh, part of our Black Lives Matter um, efforts. Um, and again, this is all student grassroots. So we are trying to take those things that go beyond what we're doing um, on the field and bring those to light to our audiences and our fans that our, the experience at Westland is a true division three experience, that you are a student and an athlete. And so we take scholarship very seriously. And because of that, we make an, an, a concentrated effort to um, show those that multi-dimensional part of our students um, in the athletic department. And I think that's what separates us, um, one. Two, it's, um, it's the alumni network. And we really take um, a lot of effort into what, when we recruit to let student athletes know the, um, you know, when you come to Westland, you're a Cardinal and you're a Cardinal for life. And those other Cardinals that don the Jersey before you are there to support you. Um, we have a, a LinkedIn group for, um, for former athletes to connect with student athletes uh, on a career basis. It's called uh, Wesleyan, it's called Athletics Advantage. And the student athletes that join Wesleyan Advan Athletics Advantage know that the other alumni who are also in that group are committed to helping them, whether it's talk about their Wesleyan experience on the field, their um, collegiate experience on campus, or internships, job advice. Um, and we found that that's been a great tool as well. All right, thank you so much. Uh, again, if you'd like to ask a question, please use the raise hand function in your participant box or do send a note through chat. Uh, Karen, I do have a note here from Brian Brantley. Uh, he says, Karen, thank you. Uh, you did a fantastic job on this presentation. So thank you again also through, uh, through Brian as well. Um, you did talk about in your presentation the idea of using Zoom and these and these digital communication methods, and you touched a bit on how <laughs> they can seem intimidating. How do we use these things? Um, I, I, if I may, I want to pull the pull the curtain back just a little bit on what on what we're doing what we're doing here actually, um, as we were setting up for this call. Uh, you actually, you're, you're working from home and you, you went from your uh, dining room uh, down to your basement where you had this backdrop ready to go. Uh, so while it creates a, a, a very professional and sharp presentation, the fact of the matter is that it's a backdrop in a basement. And so my point here is that you don't have to do a lot of big time production value stuff. And, and you mentioned this also with the postcards. Uh, with the idea that it's just a, a little bit of, of effort done right. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of what you guys have, have overcome from a technical standpoint where you've said, okay, we need to do this. Oh my gosh, how do we do it? Can you talk a little bit about uh, what, what the experience, uh, what you guys have experienced uh, at Wesleyan and kind of getting up and running on this stuff? Sure. Well, I, I have to give the credit to our, our faculty coaches. Um, and, and like many of the folks tuning in right now that they've gone through, you know, this, they've had to pivot 
so quickly on in-person physical education classes, in-person strength and conditioning meetings, in-person film watch with their student athletes to all of a sudden, you know, everything's remote. Um, so it's, it's been the, the support they've had from each other. Um, they meet uh, weekly to just exchange ideas as a faculty group um, in the athletics department. Our, co our head coaches are faculty. Um, then there's been the, um, you know, the enterprise level of platforms that we're able to use. Uh, so that actually, that helps as well. But it, it's really up to the individual to get in there and to learn. I mean, YouTube is great. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you're going to find coaches, you know, YouTubing to find um, defensive schemes for a game. But YouTube is a, is a, is a good tool to learn how to uh, learn a, a new technology skill, whether it's Zoom or GoToMeeting or some of these other video conferencing platforms. Um, but a lot of it is individual effort, but each supporting each other and um, knowing, like today, I knew that if, you know, if you, if, if for some reason something happened today um, to interrupt the presentation, I mean, we all know each other and, and stuff happens. So not to try and take things too seriously. We're not, we're not curing any diseases with what we do. Um, and I value these opportunities as a way to exchange information. And if sometimes there's glitches, well, there's, there's glitches in life, but there's, there's nothing we can't overcome. I have a question here from uh, Stephanie Zonars. I'm I hope I've said that correctly, Stephanie. Uh, Karen, thank you, great information. Have you ever executed an athletics giving day? If so, what are the best practices for success with those? Oh, well, this is almost uh, prompted. Um, athletics giving day was a, a panel that I gave at a Bosca uh, conference a couple years ago. Uh, we Four years ago, we started with an Athletics Giving Day. Our institution as a whole um, tried once to do a Giving Day and abandoned it. Um, and, but we picked it up in the, in the Athletics Department four years ago. And I guess to, quickly, some of the best practices uh, from my experience would be to um, assemble a team, of people that you know that can work well together. I'm, I know the, the athletic audience. I, I didn't know social media real well. I found someone um, within my um, department in advancement who was our social media person and I got permission for them to help me. Um, I also got help from our communications office to do some things on the department level. But we, we set up a plan um, and, and to be thorough with your plan. Um, and then um, you're not going to experience overnight immediate success. So going into it, we kept our expectations low, but we used it when we first launched as an awareness campaign, basically to, to let people know that athletics is a, a philanthropic cause at Wesleyan as well. Um, we just started doing athletics fundraising six six or seven years ago. And um, we also looked, figured that we would, because of the competitive aspect of how we set up our giving day, we 
um, are having the teams com compete against each other. We have a women's bracket and a men's bracket, and we've leveled the playing field to be participation based on their um, alumni base numbers. And, and it was a true participation effort. It was not a dollars effort. And the first couple of years, um, we extended the giving day. We started with a 12 day giving day and each subsequent year we took, we shaved off a few days because we felt that in the beginning we needed that awareness of several days of emails and social media pushes to actually uh, get it in front of people. And so over the subsequent years, we've been able to shave off days. We went from 12 to seven to three. And this year was our first a true 24 hour giving giving day. And um, we exceeded uh, our goal um, with donors and with dollars actually. And it just shocked me what you could do over 24 hours versus what you can do over 12 days. But the behavior of folks for me that I've learned over time is that they really give in that last minute. Um, it's always spikes then. But to uh, keep expectations low for the, for the beginning, but uh, the more thorough you can be with your assets and your collateral, especially if you're asking coaches to also send through their bulk email system, if that's something that you use at your institution. I tried to give everything to our coaches as much as possible that was ready for them. They just needed to um, send it and maybe fill in a couple of their own ad libs to, to make it their voice, but to give them as much as you can give them ahead of time uh, so that it's the least amount of work for them to do during that day. I think you'll get better results from the, the, the staff that you're trying to have help you um, with everything else that they're, they're doing as coaches, um, especially for those that are in season. It's very difficult, I think, sometimes when someone's on, in season to do a major giving campaign. So I would I would um, have you look at your calendar too and see what would fit well with your regular fundraising plans. For us, we do do a fall um, hard copy campaign. So we felt that uh, during, uh, right before in February, as we transitioned from winter to spring um, practice was the best time to do it for us. It also was an opportunity to squeeze in between what our, the advancement office was doing so we had, you know, some sole time with um, emailing constituents. So I, I would look at your communications calendar too, and make sure not only does it work for the athletic department, but it's not overlapping with other things that the institution might be doing on an enterprise level. Thank you, Karen. Uh, we do we do have time for probably two or three more questions. So if you do have a question, please do use that uh, raise hand function or shoot a question in the chat box. Um, Karen, I'll take this moment to go back to the idea of retention. You talked about how it's easier to retain a donor uh, than necessarily to go fishing for a new one. Can you talk a little bit about the idea, again, going back and, and communicating value uh, at all levels of the process? Um, how do you develop the messaging for that specific retention effort where you're reaching out to a, a, a top donor? Um, are, are you crafting, you know, literally wordsmithing, crafting those emails yourself? Are you doing that through, uh, through the institutional ad, uh, advancement office? Uh, or or it, is, is, there, is there a third party 
communications copywriter helping you with that stuff? What are, what are the nuts and bolts of how you're making those types of, of, of asks? Sure. Um, well, if you're, all depending on how you're resourced, um, you can take different ways. If, if we had more staff and I had access to a writer, um, I would engage with that writer. If I had the funds to outsource with a third party, I would, I would probably do that as well. Unfortunately, I don't. And um, I have a very small, I have a $10,000 a year budget. And I have maybe 9,000 alumni in my uh, solicitable athletic base, over 30,000 in our general uh, solicitable base for the institution. Uh, so it's, it's rather small. And I, I feel like I can do a lot myself um, because it's small. Um, things jump out at me a little bit easier when I'm looking at Excel spreadsheets that aren't 40,000 names long. So um, I'm a big proponent of if it works for someone else, it can work for me. And I do a lot of Googling and research through LinkedIn. There's some, some people that I follow that I really like their style of thinking. Um, and I, I steal quite honestly. Um, you know, if, if there's something I read that someone puts out there, I'm like, wow, this is great. I can, you know, I think I can, it might be a division one piece that I might need to, um, manipulate a little bit to make it fit, you know, my, my constituents or what I'm able to do my giving day. I totally stole from Princeton and, um, Princeton university does a, I mean, it's, it's huge. I mean, they do a dollar, campaign they do a participation campaign they, they, they do a third one too i can't remember what what it was but um i just looked at what they were doing and i said how can i make this fit what what i need to do and so we just decided to choose to use the the the, the one strategy of using a leaderboard for our men's and women's programs um, i actually gave to the princeton um, giving day so I could get their collateral as a donor and see, you know, what they were saying to people. So for me, that's my third party outsourcing. That's how I outsource to, to get ideas. I look what other people are doing and try to see how it would fit with um, what I'm doing. Again, I'm, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because athletics fundraising is not a priority of the institution. It's, it's a priority of the department. So um, I, I don't have as, as many resources and the queue I have to get into to, to ask for some of those resources. I understand that I would get bumped sometimes. So a lot of it, I just say, you know, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it myself. Um, but I really tried to concentrate on the middle of the, if you think about the giving, the giving pyramid, you have the top of your pyramid. I'm, I'm really trying to focus on that middle part of the pyramid um, with more at the top of the pyramid gets stewarded very well that's that you know 20 percent of the population or the one percent of the population of your donor base that gives 80 percent um but i'm trying to move up those people from the middle of my pyramid to to being to cultivate to hire donors and if i'm always trying to acquire new donors when you're acquiring new donors you're in, in acquiring them most often at small dollar levels so with a little bit of investment into those donors and trying to retain them, the idea is you'll move them up the ladder, so to speak, to become larger donors. And that's what a major gift officer does. 
is they cultivate. And I, unfortunately, can only do so much as one person. So I'm trying to use that idea of cultivating middle pyramid donors into larger donors. And we only have one giving society at Wesleyan. It's called the 1831 Society. It's um, based on our founding year. And so for someone who's a repeat $500 donor, with a conversation, I'm going to try and get them up to 1831 so that they can enjoy the benefits of being in that society. That's where the middle of the pyramid helps with me. Um, so that's, that's the whole idea by, by re, re, retention. The more you can retain a donor, the, the more apt they are to move up that donor ladder into a higher level in the pyramid to giving more or becoming a recurring donor, uh, you know, someone that gives monthly for a larger amount. Um, and those are the people that I want to have conversations with. And we have uh, for our last question today from Garrett LaCour. He asks, Karen, is gear for fans part of your fundraising effort? And if so, can you touch on how that's handled? Uh, We do not have a um, donor acknowledgement program like that with a step up. You know, you, you give 25, you get a newsletter, you give 100, you get something else. Um, we don't do that. And, and quite honestly, a lot of it has to do with I can't deal with the quid issues of what, uh, you know, the, the gift is less the cost of the item that you're giving the person as a token gift. Um, that's something that I can't do on my own and I would need help from the advancement office and they're not willing to go in that direction right now. That's a, um, I know a lot of division one schools do that and, and some division two schools do that. Um, there are on occasion opportunities and times where a coach will, you know, mail a shirt or, you know, something um, from the program to a person, but we don't have anything that we um, push for giving levels in that way. Um, there was a time when we, I had some applique stickers that uh, you know would make it seem like you could stick on a shirt and make it seem like it was embroidered. Um, and the athletic director would stick two of those in his thank you letters, uh, two for parents, one for an alum. Uh, but we just recently changed our um, athletic mark. So that's something I'd have to redo. Um, but the token gifts work with some people. I, I don't know that tokens are necessarily a driver in, in, of people giving. Um, for us, it's, it's really about trying to drive home that message of, of why you're investing is beyond getting a gift. Um, so we don't do it on a regular basis. I, I can't keep the inventory either. And, and, it's, and it does cost money and I, money that I don't have. But um, again, I'll, I'll turn every once in a while, if, if someone makes an impactful gift, we'll, we'll scrounge up some things already in the department um, to send to the person, but not not as a rule do we do token gifts based on giving. All right. Thank you so much for that question, Garrett. Uh, and Karen, thank you today for your time and insights today. I very much appreciate your, your willingness to share uh, with folks here in the small college AD community. I want to thank everybody who's been on this call uh, for being here. And I do hope that, uh, that everybody did find this 
this session helpful. Uh, again, the whole point of this is for you to be able to take away information that is relevant, practical, and actionable, and that you have taken some ideas uh, away from this. And you can apply to your program. And I will certainly, and, and like, like everybody else, look forward to seeing those uh, executed in the coming months. If some of these ideas uh, do require creative support that you perhaps don't have the resources for, this is my professional plug. Hartwell Studio Works is, of course, here to help. I'm happy to do a free 20-minute consultation to help you talk through these ideas, bounce some ideas, and figure out what your next steps might be. You can go to my website, click the scheduler, uh, and you can choose the free 20-minute consultation option. Uh, if you'd like to follow up with Karen directly, let me give you some information here. You can get Karen uh, through email, through LinkedIn, and on Twitter, and she's, uh, and she's happy to connect and to chat with you uh, if you'd like. Uh, as she mentioned, I will be sending out uh, her slides from her presentation today and her presentation notes uh, and so that you have that information uh, directly and you can refer to it uh, again later. Uh, the audio from this conversation will be available on my podcast in the next few days, uh, and I'm going to get the video up on on YouTube. Uh, you'll get some follow-up notes as to when that audio will be available. I'll also add, Karen did mention uh, Allison Kern's uh, Zoom conversation from several weeks ago. That is also available on my podcast page, as are the previous Zoom conversations with Amanda Workman from West Texas A&M and with Devin Crosby from Lynn University. All of that audio is available and you can access that through my podcast. The next Small College AD Zoom conversation will be scheduled in the Coming weeks, uh, you'll get an announcement. Uh, I'm sorry, you can get an announcement by going to my website, signing up for my email newsletter, or you can follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. And I do want to indulge everybody here, if I may. Tomorrow is Brian Brantley's birthday, and Brian is here on this call. And Brian is a great friend, and I am pleased to have this opportunity to embarrass him the day before his birthday to his peers. A very happy birthday to one of my best friends and one of the best guys in the business. And I'm going to catch hell for this when I call him tomorrow for his actual birthday. Thank you all very much for being here. I do appreciate it. I look forward to being in touch with you all soon. Have a great day. Thanks for being here, everybody. My thanks again to Karen for her time and willingness to share her ideas with the Small College AD community. You can get in touch with Karen by email and through LinkedIn and Twitter. Her information is posted in the show notes for this episode found at the podcast page of my website, hartwellstudioworks.com. On whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this show, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and write a review. Help other sports professionals find this podcast. If you'd like to talk some sports branding, you can reach out to me by email at john at hartwellstudioworks.com. You can follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram using the handle Hartwell Studio. And you can check out my entire portfolio of sports branding work at hartwellstudioworks.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.